body of phantoms and monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate and discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Phantoms and Monsters and the Phantoms and Monsters 14 research team. So thanks for joining me. Uh, this channel is made possible by you clicking the subscribe button and by you sharing our programming. So uh, super chat and super th thanks donations are appreciated. As well, the uh, Buy Me a Coffee link and banner also shown below. So thanks for your consideration. Now, if you're, you're in the chat and you have a question, please use all caps. But um, wait till I start the, the last report and I'll let you know when. And you start posting the questions so uh, I don't miss anything. So tonight, we're going to be discussing skinwalkers. You know, I get questions about skinwalkers all the time. There's, a, there's seems to be some question as to what they are. People, uh, I mean, a lot of people just don't really get the concept of these things. You know, according to the Diné Navajo people, and they're in the Four Corners area, um, skinwalkers are shape-shifting witches who conduct all sorts of terrible things. These uh, beings can make people sick and commit murders, actually. They are grave robbers and necrophiliacs. They are greedy and evil entities who must kill a sibling or other relative to be initiated as a skinwalker. They supposedly can turn into weird animals and can travel in supernatural ways. An anthropologist of Navajo Nation Historic Preservation Department explains skinwalkers are folks that possess knowledge of medicine, medicine both practical, like healing the sick, and spiritual, maintaining harmony. And they are both wrapped together in ways that are nearly impossible to untangle. Now, these medicine men train over a period of many years to become full-fledged practitioner in the mystical rituals of the Diné Navajo people. The medicine men are shown themselves to be effective in treating a range of illness, according to U.S. Public Health service. But there is also a dark side. Witches follow some of the same training, obtain similar knowledge as they're more benevolent as, you know, as their more benevolent colleagues, but they supplement both with the pursuits of dark arts or black magic. Now, um, by Diné Navajo law, a known witch has forfeited its status as a human and can be killed at will. The assumption is that a witch, by definition, is evil. Now, the cautious Diné Navajo people will not speak openly about skinwalkers, uh, especially with strangers. And because they do, you know, they do so might invite the attention of an evil witch. 
And after all, a stranger who asks questions about skinwalkers just might be one himself looking for their next victim. Now, I have been very fortunate to become acquainted with many of the people who live on the Diné Navajo Reservation, and that's northern New Mexico and into Arizona. Uh, I used to work alongside of um, uh, J.C. Johnson, and he lived on the res for a while. But, you know, I, I got to talk to a lot of people over those years. And uh, I, I still get people sending me things. It's mostly the younger folks. The older, um, the older population of the, res, of the tribe will not talk about it for the most part. They're just scared. And I can understand why. You know, after you hear some of these accounts, I think you understand why they are hesitant. So the first report. This is what I received. I try to read about skinwalkers and or Navajo witches whenever I hear of any articles or books about them. Now, when I was a little girl traveling my family on vacation, we came across something strange that had to have been a skinwalker or Navajo witch. It was 1967 or 68, and we were driving from California to Arkansas to visit family. On the way to Arkansas, we were on Route 66 outside Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we had stopped at a rest area so my dad could sleep. It doesn't happen often now, but back then a lot of people used to stop and sleep in rest areas. It was the middle of the night, and something startled my father awake. He woke up and he was extremely scared and nervous. He was trying to figure out why he woke up and why he felt scared when he saw a man crossing the desert. He said that he almost couldn't take his eyes off the guy, even I mean, because even though the man was kind of far out there, something was wrong. The man was walking towards the rest area from out in the desert. As he got closer, my father saw what was different about him. The man had a fur skin thrown over his shoulders as he walked his feet were not touching the ground he passed right beside our car and looked my dad in the eyes my dad said that all the hair on his body stood up he immediately started our car and drove away as fast as he could it was later that we found out that some crazy guy came into the same rest area the very same night that we were there and shot a bunch of people from what I was told, some of the people were killed. I was a little girl, three or four years old. I was asleep when it all happened, but we never stopped in New Mexico after that. Every year we went to Arkansas to visit family, and we never stopped in New Mexico again. We always drove straight through. And that that lady's name was Nina. Now she wasn't now she wasn't a member of the tribe. She was just someone traveling through. So um, the, the next account came from a man who's with friends on a mesa outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, when he encounters a coyote that stands on its back legs and seems to transform into a, transform into a native man. Now, this account actually came from J.C. Johnson's files, and he, said, he gave it to me. In 2004, I was out with some friends on the mesa outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Half of the group wandered off to sneak up at a party and scare them, so I was left with my friend's girlfriend. I didn't know her that well at the time, so we were standing around awkwardly, not talking, when we both heard footsteps about 50 foot away. 
there was no light out there, so I couldn't see what was making them, and she is practically blind. I sneak off and around to try to see what it is. I get close enough, probably 20 foot, and I see a coyote walking. I said, oh, or something to that effect quietly, and it looked over at me. This is weird because as far as I know, coyotes travel in packs, tend to avoid humans and have huge ears, which wouldn't allow me to sneak up on one. It starts walking off, and this is when the strangest thing happened. It appeared very fluidly and naturally to stand up on its hind legs. For a couple of seconds, it looked very much like a middle-aged native. It walked down into the shallow ravine, and I couldn't see it anymore. I hauled Butt back to the cars and told her to get in and lock the door. Then I left to go find my friend. I just told him I saw someone. He looked around and couldn't find any tracks. I was very confused at that point. Later, I started telling one of my close friends about it, and before I finished, she jumped in and said, sounds like a skinwalker. I've tried doing research on skinwalkers, but it's very hard to find information. Apparently, it's a type of Navajo black magic where the shaman can move his spirit to other places and manifest himself as an animal that may or may not be his choosing. They work outside of the mainstream religion and tend to sell their services. I can't find any more info, uh, any more info beyond that. So, I, I, and another report. I live close to the reservation just outside Mesa, Arizona. I have a couple of native friends who I just recently went camping with around 20 miles outside the valley to a place they call Three Poles. This place is considered holy land in their eyes and is close to a river. There are numerous stories that I know about this place, such as a flute player you can hear at night or the boulder-sized splashes you hear in the river but the most notable are the stories of the skinwalkers. We arrived at the camping site around 9 p.m. It was already dark, so we started to unpack and make a fire. Once that was done, my native buddies put up the barriers and puffed the smoke of tobacco upon us as a personal barrier. They told me never go anywhere alone and that around 8, 3 a.m. is when the spirits are most active. Around 2 a.m., the beating of a drum became very clear. This is a sign of a skinwalker, they told me. At around 3 a.m., the smell of wet dogs became apparent. This is a sign of either two things. Hoofy, which is considered an extremely evil spirit, are the skinwalkers. The fire grew small, and we could see the shadows of animals. We all decided to move to another site in the morning. As the first light dawned, we packed. I sat in the back of his truck to hold down the stuff. As we left, I saw a Rottweiler walking on its hind legs straight in the middle of our camp. It was easily five feet tall. It had bright orange eyes. I freaked out and screamed as it was running at us, still standing up. It disappeared into a bush after we turned the corner. Later on, at our other camp, an old man with his face covered by hair visited us and acted very strangely. He ran, we ran out of drinks, so a friend and I decided to head out on, on foot. No car, a friend had to take it home. We saw a car. 
as we, it approached, it slowed down to a halt, and the same man asked if we wanted a ride. We said no, because by this time, my friends had told me the man was a skinwalker. He grabbed my arm and pulled me by his car and looked straight at me. As my friend ran up to grab me, the man took off in his car. Once we got back, I relaxed. It was around dawn when just behind me, the man appeared about 10 foot away and asked if I could help him with something back at his camp. As he did, two trucks came around the corner to head further into the grounds. We watched them as they passed, and then all of a sudden, he bolted after them. I was astonished to see this 60-year-old man chasing down a car. My native friends put up a salt barrier. I heard sounds all night, but never saw anything after that. So this other, um, this other account comes from me, a Ute native, um, a young guy uh, up in Utah. And as, as far as the Skinwalker legends or the Skinwalker beliefs go, it, 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 several tribes believe in it. The Utes, the Hopi, um, other Pueblo tribes like, like the Navajo. Well, anyway, this, uh, this Ute youth was said he was attacked by a winged humanoid wolf near Skinwalker Ranch. Now, Salt Lake City, Utah caller to Coast to Coast AM named John recalls a harrowing encounter and attack by a winged humanoid wolf near the Skinwalker Ranch. I've got a very unbelievable story to tell you. I don't know if you're familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch over here in Utah. I have a close relative that's pretty much the UFO guy in that area. He's been telling me these stories ever since I was a little kid. Now, I've been out to that ranch several times, and I was out there in the spring of 2013, but, and nothing happened. Now, we went around the ranch areas, and nothing happened. We went home, and on a Saturday night, something did happen, which I later found out through my UFO relative. There were some native kids driving in a tall truck about eight feet high, and they went up to the gate of the UFO of this UFO ranch. They said that they saw an orb of light appearing in the window off or above the gate. And I guess they turned on their lights or they turned on the engine because they got scared. Then it had an even brighter light and it went over the truck and these kids. Well, something hit their truck. These kids got scared, so they went down the road on the main road and they got out, which is, I'm guessing, about three quarters of a mile. They got out to look at the damage done to the truck, and for some reason, the driver decided to be the passenger, and then the passenger was the driver. Apparently, there were some girls with them in this truck. Well, once they got back to the truck, this is where it gets very unbelievable. A creature grabbed his kid, this kid, who was the driver and now the passenger and pulled him out of the truck. It threw him around like a rag doll, bit him in the butt several times and clawed him. Long story short, somehow this kid got back in the truck and one of the kids took a picture of this creature. Now, no image was provided, but they got scared. They were able to get back in the truck, drove down the road and talked to the Ute Indian police 
about it. Uh, and the, the Indian police say that there's nothing they can do about it because they're very aware of the Skinwalker Ranch. So the next day, which would be Sunday, they contacted my UFO relative, and he went down there to investigate. Meanwhile, there was a shaman's wife, and the shaman was there blessing the kids that were involved in this. Now, my UFO relative said that he saw the picture on his cell phone of this creature. He also saw the damage done to the truck. There was also a scratch on the truck, and it spelled D-I-E, die. And he also saw the damage done to this kid and the bite marks. Now, this was very unbelievable for me to hear. The crazy thing about it is a few months ago, I work at a hospital, and one of my patients was the shaman's wife. She was the one that was also there at the time when my relative was there to investigate. She told me exactly what my relative said, but in greater detail. The creature that she described and my relative said had to be a tall creature because he would hold his kid out of the, because he, he held this kid out from, he pulled it out from the, the window of the truck. That's an eight foot tall truck and this creature had horns. It had red hair. It also had a human like face, but the mouth was distorted. And it came out kind of like a wolf. It had claws and wings. So my question to you, and I asked my UFO relative, is this a skinwalker? And he goes, no, this is something totally different. And I asked also the shaman's wife, and she agreed that this is something totally different. So I don't know what that was. I, I tend to believe it may have been a skinwalker. I, I don't know. But since the shaman's wife said it was, and I had to take her word for it. So um, I don't know what that was. But that's an interesting story. I actually reposted that story recently on the blog. So uh, the next account was about a Navajo medicine man. And he was chasing a skinwalker. Now, one encounter that this medicine man, who I'll refer to as LC, remembers happened in the heartland regions of Navajo Nation, specifically Diné Beto, Arizona. An elderly man spent a week herding his livestock to the winter property. When he, when he finally returned home in the day, he found his wife had not prepared their wagons with their belongings. But seeing her rifle and horse were gone, he thought she must have been getting supplies or going to visit other nearby relatives they know in the rural region. Now, times back in the day, Navajo kept busy all day, much like ranchers and farmers. They were always cautious of strangers and burglarizing and ransacking of property was common, but low. Land tracking was very common skill before it wasn't. Uh, he then noticed nothing was disturbed or out of the ordinary for, for them. But he had a feeling his wife went to a nearby friend's. Now, his gut feeling was right, and he found out that his wife was there. But he also asked why she left their place with their valuables and wagons unguarded. She told him the following. One of the goats came back and only stood in one direction. With a stick in hand, she attempted to snap it out of whatever trance it was in. 
It screamed and dropped dead. She, she thought it could be ailments of termites in its horn eating away at its brain. She didn't want to waste whatever was salvageable. She butchered the goat and hung its wool skin to dry in the sun. She placed the still intact headless goat in the back of one of the wagons. Now, as she went about finishing her chores to pack the wagon, she heard a rattling outside. Thinking it was a rattlesnake on the property, she went to find out, but came to notice the sheepskin was gone. Thinking that someone was on the property and trying to rob them, she went into the Hogan to get her rifle. Gun at the ready, she didn't get far before noticing that the goatskin was dragging on the ground. Thinking it was animals instead, she followed the dragging trail and kept an eye out for an animal in the distance. Instead, she noticed not far ahead, the skin hide was dragging itself, gliding over the ground. She shot at it more than several times, but it kept going towards some washes in the land with hilly ter terrain. Unsure of what she had seen, she decided not to stay the night and left to go to the neighbors. Hearing this, the husband had her and the neighbors go find the local medicine man common in the area. Would it be a couple of days? Returning with the elderly medicine man, three men accompanied him. The wife then showed them where she stopped following the skin and they went on from there. Unable to accompany them, the husband and wife kept the bonfire going all night as a waypoint for them to see in the night sky. Late into the first night, one man came back and asked if they could spare a horse as one of theirs had fallen into a ditch and severely in injured itself, so they had to shoot it, agreeing that they let him take the husband's horse as it was, the, it was fast and knew the area. The next day, no sign of them returning happened. Then night came. They built the bonfire again so they would be able to see if they were near. Not long after, another one of the men came back and asked if they could spare another horse. But Green, thinking something again happened to their horse, they took the, the wagon horse. Later into the night, the, the final third man of the group came to the house and asked if they had another horse they could spare. Anxious about an update, the husband asked if they had found the goatskin. Not saying anything else, the third man asked again if he could have if they had another horse to spare. The husband agreed, but only if he could check on his other horses. So the third man agreed and they rode into the night. Coming upon a ridge in the night, lightened up by the full moon, the third man rode to the sound of a sweat lodge ceremony by the medicine man and the two other men were conducting. Coming upon the sweat lodge, he responded. He respected the strict custom around the medicine man in the middle of the ceremony, so he stayed silent. Um, it, it's custom among Navajo culture to be silent during a ceremony, so uh, not to break the concentration of the medicine man. Now, the third man told the husband not to investigate the open sweat lodge doorway, not to open the sweat lodge doorway. He had to keep the glowing dim and lava rocks hot and not look back into the sweat lodge direction until they were done. He sat there with a low dim fire and kept the rocks hot listening to the chanting. Then he noticed a blurry white mass out into the distance below. No ambient light came from it, only a white mass, like someone wearing all white in the moonlight. 
It was atop the, the cliff looking down below to the barren flat desert and washes. He saw it darting left and right, going into washes and coming out, going hundreds of feet in no pattern, faster than a horse can run and way faster than anyone else, uh, anyone could run themselves. Twilight was coming up and the white mass disappeared into a wash to his right and never came back out. He observed everywhere below to see where it was and still listened to the song of the medicine man and his assistant as they were singing. He could hear the heavy footsteps of his wife's horse. He, he did as he was told and didn't turn around once to check on the horse. But then the heavy horse studs stepped, got closer to him in a rhythm of two, like someone walking, and he was on a high alert to turn around. He felt a hard clutch on his shoulder. He screamed and cried out in agony, yelling, and was ready to fight whatever it was in the night but it was just the old medicine man. The husband was frightened by feeling such a strong, heavy presence. The old man asked what he was doing far out away from his home. Confused, he said he came along with one of the old man's assistants to check on his horses, but instead he made him the fire watcher. The old man with concern said that he had seen the goat skin and they were chasing it into washes to trap it in the high sand walls but had killed two of his men the first night when they entered the wash by collapsing the side walls when they got close to the goatskin on the ground. He and his last assistant went on to the trap it in the cliff sides during the next day, but couldn't get to the top of the cliff to where it was at. So he went ahead and his last assistant stayed where it was last seen below. He went along and around the cliff sides to find a trail up, but that took most of the day and he came upon the husband. He followed the smell of a dead animal and saw scattered flesh and blood, then heard drumming ceremony in the night. He couldn't tell where it was, was until the sky lightened up the early morning coming. Then he finally saw him there sitting near the edge of the cliff. Thinking he was being tricked, the husband opened the makeshift sweat lodge doorway. Looking inside, he could see that it was made of his horse's bones and not wood. And there, lying on the opposite side of the door, he saw the goat skin. The medicine man took the skin, and they burned down the sweat lodge to ashes in the bonfire. The husband asked how a skin could do all that. The old medicine man explained that something else in the night came for the goat skin on the second night. They thought it was him, the husband, coming out to find them, but it wasn't. They drove to the sounds of heavy galloping and dark flashes of something in the moonlight. On the nights, they hunted it like a predator, like predator animals and tried luring it into the washes or caves in the wash, but sacrificing one of the horses to collapse it, the high sand walls, but to no avail. Returning to the husband's house, the wife told them that where she had put the carcass of the goat, it was gone and couldn't find tracks. When the time came to go to their winter property, they never returned to the original property. Time passed, and the land turned into sand dunes, and the Hogan, with no upkeep, fell apart over the years. And when it finally collapsed in, they never rebuilt it. Now, that story, <laughs> that story was told to me 
by a an actual uh, elder of the Navajo. So, um, is it true? I, I I guess it may very well be. It's a pretty wild story. So the last the last post is as follows. So if you have questions, you can start posting them. A young Navajo man who grew up on the reservation in New Mexico recalls his family's tragic history at the hands of native witches and, in turn, skinwalkers. I live in Gallup, New Mexico, and I'm a 21-year-old Navajo. I have a family that lives on a plot of land south of Gallup. It's about a 30-minute drive to my family's land and surprisingly not deep in the woods. I remember first being near a witch when I was about seven. I was at my uncle's house. Our land has three homes on it. He, my mother, and his girlfriend were drinking. And my uncle went to relieve himself out the front door. I remember he freaked out and said that there was a skinwalker outside. I freaked out, and his girlfriend said it was okay. That it was just Scooby-Doo to lessen my fears. Since it had been so long, I remember those important details only. After that, I had no memory of what happened. That uncle died that year. I always think about what could have been between me and him now that I feel so alone and my remaining family isn't as cool as he was with me. Anyway, to be clear, I never have seen a witch, but these details are unfortunately true. Jump forward a couple years and I'm in eighth grade. My grandpa, who lived with my mom and I, is in the hospital. I end up sleeping in his room because I always slept on my mother's floor due to being creeped out by the thought of a witch trying to peer inside my window or hearing the noises it can make. I wanted to sleep in there because he has a he has cable in his room. His room is on the opposite end of the trail where my mom slept. It's about 5 a.m. and I wake up to the most terrifying language I've ever heard. It sounded like a cross between a hyena and a pig. The constant chit-chat between whatever was outside my grandpa's window haunted me in that instance. I listened for a couple seconds, but I covered my ears as hard as I could out of pure terror. It was the most scared I've ever been. After the ordeal, I went to my mom's room and crawled inside her bed, telling her what happened and shaking a bit. I had school that morning, so when we went to start the car, I noticed the in the area where I had heard the noise, there was a trailer hitch, and sitting in it was a stray dog. My grandma hired a medicine man before or after that happened, and he said that the dog was in cahoots with the witches. I tried to get rid of him, but that dog always came back. It was skinny and skittish. It always had a bad, I always had a bad vibe about that dog which doesn't happen, which doesn't happen as I love dogs. But after that encounter, I was truly scared of being alone. A year later, during my freshman year in high school, my mom died. Now, whether or not those jealous witches contributed to her death, I'll ponder occasionally. She died from a bad cold and mucus in her lungs. I was asleep in her room, but not on her bed. I went to bed about 10 p.m. and in the morning, she was very weak and cold like she was hallucinating and didn't get under the blankets to keep warm. When I woke up, she was dead and sitting in front of her bed. That day changed my life completely, as I've never stayed at the house regular since she died. 
I am staying with my dad now in town. Now, my grandpa said our family may be an active target of those evil witches. He said once in the 90s when my uncles and their friends were at my grandma's land, they see a fire and a witch doing a dance ritual on top of the mesa. They begin to shoot at it. It sees them and they take off when their girlfriends freak out. They leave and that witch chases them out from wherever they are. Keep in mind, this area has a lot of trees and it isn't barren and flat like most of the Navajo Nation. My grandpa inferred that the witch followed my uncles back to, where my family, to my family's land. Now, my family and the evil history of the area they settled in is real. I wouldn't type all this if it weren't true. I don't like fake paranormal stories and you wouldn't, e you wouldn't either if the paranormal was just a footstep away. After all the damage these witches had done, no one wants to talk about it or do anything about them. What is there to do? It's been six years now since my mom died, and each day is a day I inch further away from my small memories of her. So, folks, that's it. I mean, I've got other stories as well. I've, um, you know, I, I probably got hundreds of them, and I may actually do some more later down the road. So let me dig through here and see what we've got. Question wise. Shorter cook. Lon, are there stories that the skinwalker on the skinwalker ranch being trapped there and not able to leave? Do you know the the whole the lore of the the lore of the Skinwalker Ranch is the following. Apparently, the Navajo people lived up in that area of Utah, which is the northwest area, northeast area of the state, and uh, they were actually run out of there. I mean, from what is told, they were run out of there by the Utes, and before they left. They supposedly cursed the land. And when they cursed the land, they are said to have left a skinwalker there. Now, is that true? I don't know. That's the lore. That's, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole story about how it became called the Skinwalker Ranch or that area around there. But, but, but you know, that area where the ranch is. There's a lot that there's a lot that goes on around there. I've had a couple stories surrounding that area from uh, from other native people. Um, a lot of ghost stories, a lot of different um, entities seen. Not necessarily what they talk about at Skinwalker Ranch with the, uh, the UFOs and you know the uh, supposed uh, cryptic canines associated with it. But there's a lot. There's a lot of stories about it. I, I may go back and, and dig a lot of that out at some point. Uh, Nancy Malcolm, how and who can kill a skinwalker? Well, that's a big question. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I um, I guess it's got to be done ritual by using your specific ritual. Uh, from what I understand... It, the, the best the best way to do this is just to stay away from it and not talk about it. Um, 
you know, as far as a skinwalker being killed, I don't, I don't really know much about that. I haven't really heard anything about that. Um, I, I, the only thing I have heard, and JC told me this, that in the tribe, when they do suspect a skinwalker, now this is probably many years, many, many, many years ago, but when they do, they do believe there's a skinwalker, a witch who's become a skinwalker. Uh, they will condemn it to death and they will kill it. Now, is, I mean, how do they kill it? I don't know. Do they just shoot it, kill it, hang it, whatever? I don't know. Cans Quatch, how is a skinwalker killed? I just, there again, I, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. You know, if, if I was um, part of the tribe, maybe I would get some inclination, but quite frankly, no one's ever told me anything about that. You know, I, I think most most of the stories I have gotten from about the skinwalkers come from the younger folks, and it's mostly stories that they have heard from the relatives. But as far as killing a skinwalker, I don't think I've ever been told anything about that. Bernadette, have there been any reports of skinwalkers in Pennsylvania, or are they just seen, found in certain parts of the country? You know, you, you hear a lot of stories about people thinking they see skinwalkers in other areas. I just don't believe that's true. I, I, I think they just mistake it for something else. Um, I, I, you know, most of, the, most of the stories or most of the accounts that I heard that I believe are are verifiable were are in the uh, southwestern part of the country uh, in, around the reservations or even up further north in the Ute area um, but the four corners and that includes Colorado and and, um, and Utah um, I mean that's where most of it most of the lore is actually known Nancy Malcolm is there any records to indicate that the number of skinwalkers are increasing? I, I don't know anything about that. I really don't. You know, I, uh, I I have read a lot of accounts people have sent me who, who are on the reservation, people I know that are on the reservation. Uh, most of the stories I hear and most of the accounts I hear are older accounts. But every once in a while, you will hear something about um, someone seeing one on a highway that's running beside a car. These things have this apparent ability to run alongside of a car uh, that they're that fast. Um, there's a few other instances, but as far as um, actual accounts coming from from uh, reservation uh, residents, you know, you just don't really hear a whole lot about it. it, it they do keep it pretty quiet. I mean, when you do get an account, first of all, you got to figure out where it comes from first because uh, you do have to follow up on it. And I have followed up on all of these, you know, when it comes to me, I follow up with the person itself to make sure it's actually coming from someone who's Native American. So, um, yep, that's the only answer I can give you on that. Bernadette, what is the difference between skinwalkers and shapeshifters? Well, all in all, maybe not differently, but I, I, it has to do with the actual, uh, the actual cult 
or um, whatever their beliefs are. You know, shapeshifters, that's not an occult thing for the most part. That's a paranormal, supernatural natural thing. And I'm not saying that the skinwalkers aren't paranormal or, or supernatural. And in fact, they probably are. But it, it's just different. I mean, we talk about shapeshifters in all, all types of pretexts. I mean, you know, uh, but as far as what goes on with the skinwalkers, it, it's somewhat different. There's, uh, there's, there seems to be more malevolency. Well, there is malevolency behind it. I mean, these skinwalkers, as I read in the beginning, aren't good. Uh, they, they have, uh, they have an agenda and, um, uh, they, it, you know, they're out to either hurt someone or to cause issues as opposed to just seeing it's a shape-shifting type of being. Can Squatch, is it true skinwalkers won't enter a home unless invited? That's what I've been told. That is exactly what I have been told. And I do have some stories that do cover that. So maybe down the road, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, talk about those as well. Okay, folks, well, uh, thanks for uh, each and all of you for watching and chatting. And if you make a donation, it's truly appreciated. You can still make a donation at the show uh, with the uh, super thanks. Uh, your support's what makes all this possible. So please like, subscribe, and share. And um, if you have a sighting encounter report and like to be considered for the personal report show or post on Fans of Monsters, please forward to my email at lawnscriptorfansofmonsters.com. So until we meet again, stay healthy, have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.